4: No the WBBM Noon Business Hour.
1: It's 12.03 Thursday afternoon, April 29th, 2021. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us on the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rob Hart sitting in for Cisco Cotto today. The Noon Business Hour presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. There have been rumors over the years about a Bears stadium in Arlington Heights and they're heating up once again. We'll cover that in our next segment. Right now the report on pending home sales is out along with the weekly tally of jobless claims. We're joined by Mark Hamrick, Senior Economic Analyst at Bankrate.com, based in Washington, joining us once again. Uh, thanks for joining us again. Let's talk now about uh, the GDP report that came out today. We talked about the, uh, uh, the President Biden's economic proposals in the State of the Union speech at 1020 this morning. Uh, this morning, though, or this afternoon, we're uh, still uh, digesting that uh, GDP report that suggests an annualized uh, rate of economic growth at 6.4%. That's a little bit under estimates and why did it uh, fall short of what uh, wall street was expecting
3: well rather than to get into let's say uh the, the forecasts which are mostly only relevant to traders I, I think the most important aspect of that this is that this is the strongest first quarter of gdp since the early 1980s which is a parallel To the fact that growth for the full year is expected to be the strongest since the 1980s and so uh, we're on a very good uh, growth path uh, right now uh, in the sense of not only do we have a strong first quarter the current second quarter is supposed to be even stronger as we see further reopening of the economy americans spending more on services having already driven spending on goods up to past pre-pandemic levels and obviously, a lot of this is federal stimulus. A lot of this is the fact that vaccinations have gone into arms and consumers not only have confidence, but they also have a better sense of safety that they can venture back out into public.
1: And it seems like we're still uh, chipping away at that uh, number of first-time unemployment claims that comes out every Thursday. Uh, they drop 13,000 to 553,000, a sign the economy is healing, but still well above the level before the pandemic.
3: Well, sure. Uh, And uh, we're going to be in this part of the soup for a while still to go. Uh, We have uh, 16.6 million Americans who are on some form of unemployment assistance. But, uh, you know, we're slowly winnowing this away as well. Uh, And we've had three straight weeks where uh, new claims have declined. So uh, I think all this really does fall under the general uh, heading of improvement. Uh, but, you know, with an unemployment rate most recently on a monthly basis at 6%, Obviously, we have a long way to go to get back to that so-called full employment we enjoyed previously at 3.5%, possibly get below that if uh, we have a little bit of luck come our way.
1: The housing market continues to be red hot. Uh, Pending home sales rose uh, 1.9% in March. That's according to the National Association of Realtors. That's uh, less than expected, but it's also a sign there's kind of a ceiling now on the housing market, uh, either when it comes to uh, the price tag or just the amount of homes available.
3: Well, we might have said that 6 or 12 or 18 months ago, too, right? So the biggest problem for home sales broadly is lack of supply, lack of inventory. Uh, builders are trying to answer that demand, uh, but they're also in the process of you know having to deal with a crazy cross currents and, and uh, in the sense of rising prices, whether it's for a lumber where the price of a 2 by 4 is up four times over the past year, uh, they're having to compete for workers and Uh, Other issues with raw materials. Uh, The good news is that as we look at it here at bank rate, um, mortgage rates, uh, while having risen somewhat, are still uh, below uh, where they were a year ago. And so that's an opportunity Uh, to work that part of the affordability equation, even while home prices are are not uh, giving us much help in that regard.
1: Mark Hamrick, Senior Economic Analyst, Bankrate.com, based in Washington. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Coming up, we examine the possibility of a new Bears stadium in the northwest suburbs a deposit
4: for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
1: The expected sale of Arlington Park in the northwest suburbs is refueling talk of a new Bears stadium on the 326-acre property. We welcome in Greg Hines, columnist, Crane Chicago Business. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Everything old is new again. This is taking me back 25 years when all the rumors were swirling about the Bears needed a new modern home to replace Soldier Field was it going to be at the Arlington Park site? Were they going to build McDome uh, as part of McCormick Place? But uh, the Arlington Park story has uh, reared its head once again uh, as a possible uh, Bears destination. How much uh, fire is associated with the smoke here?
5: Uh, it's a little hard to tell, but there sure is a lot of smoke. Is a short answer. Um, you mentioned at the at the top that uh, there was uh, there was controversy over the time about whether remodeling Soldier Field would get, really give the pairs a modern stadium. Well, that was 25 years ago. Uh, uh, 25 years later, it's even less of a, a good stadium than most NFL teams have. Uh, there's no roof. Uh, so they can't detract things like Super Bowls. Uh, there's limited, uh, limited signage, there's limited number of skyboxes or whatever, uh, all of which affects the team's bottom line. And if you know the McCaskies, the bottom line is what comes first. Uh, in their business, so here you have this big site out in the suburbs where a good chunk of their fan base is. And when I asked the team yesterday to comment on some pretty widespread rumors that uh, that the team has begun talking to the owners of of, of Arlington Churchill Downs Corp. Uh, they wouldn't knock it down. And I asked him like three or four different ways. And all of he says, well, we're focused right now on Soldier Field. We want to get it reopened in the fall, whatever. And I said, you know, you're leaving the impression that there's something to this. And I got the same kind of answer, which clearly suggested that something was going on. Uh, the only question is whether they're seriously moving or whether they're using it as leverage to try to get a better deal at, the, at Soldier Field. Now the latest development is the mayor was asked about this at her availability a couple years ago, a couple hours ago, and and she didn't exactly knock it down either. She says, "Well, you know, they have this lease until twenty thirty three, and uh, and NFL doesn't let teams out of leases, and uh, and yeah, I did have a have a, a call last week with the senior leadership of the team, uh, and uh, gee, it's a wonderful site, but it's it's challenging for the team, and the, and we're going to have some conversations." Well, exactly what that means isn't quite clear, but uh, like I said, there's an awful lot of smoke here.
1: And this is very quickly, though, this kind of runs in the face of the trend in stadium construction over the past uh, 25 years or so that you put a major sports facility downtown as an economic revitalization engine. And the idea of putting these, uh, you know, concrete facilities in the suburbs are ideas that were best left in the 70s.
5: Uh, there is some truth to that, but uh, a, a large number of NFL teams don't play anywhere near central cities anymore. And when they do build stadiums downtown, they tend to be multi-use facilities with, with, with domes like a, like a Detroit, for instance, because you can use them for, for multiple things that it maximizes the revenue capacity. Uh, and, you know, above and beyond that soldier field is on the small side as NFL teams go. So, you know, Are we talking potentially another renovation there? Is uh, is there a way to dome it? Uh, Is all this stuff just a subterfuge, a
1: trick? It's very hard to tell, but like I said, it's an awful lot of smoke. For joining us this afternoon, of course, you can check out uh, all of our uh, draft coverage tonight. That's on uh, AM 780. Jeff Joniak, a cast of thousands, uh, breaking down uh, the Bears pick. They picked 20th this evening. Hear that, AM 780. The news continues on 105.9 FM.
4: Making sense of your dollars. The WBBM Noon Business
1: Hour continues. A new trend in travel involves grandparents and grandkids, but not Parents Joining us now in the McGrath Lexus business line is Angie Rice, co-founder of Boutique Travel Advisors in Scottsdale, Arizona, the website TravelBTA.com. Angie, thanks for joining us this afternoon. The three problems seem to have popped up during the pandemic. Grandparents want to see their grandkids. People want to travel. And parents want some time alone. And this trend called gramping seems to... uh seems to kind of, it's a tie on all angles and solves all of those problems.
0: So true. I think the trend is, like you said, it's particularly growing during the pandemic because we've had isolation from grandparents. And now that grandparents are getting vaccinated, it's a great opportunity for families to reconnect and Simply with parents being home and kids e-learning, it's this opportunity to visit and then allow the parents to either stay home and have some privacy while the grandparents travel with the children.
1: And in your experience as a travel advisor, some, what, these multi-generational trips, skipping mom and dad, uh, where are the grandparents going?
0: Really, it's important to evaluate the interests of the grandparents and also the interests of the children so everybody has a great experience. And I think for grandparents, it's looking for certain interests and hobbies that you share with your grandchildren or picking up a series of books and, and emulating a experience that documents something that was read. For example, a Harry Potter, um, you know, experience uh, to Warren um, would warrant, you know, reading the books and then traveling. And we've actually done that type of itinerary on a trip to London where it was multi-gen and the grandparents took the kids to the um, Harry Potter amusement park while the parents had a nice day off in London. And Disney cruises are also fun for grandparents and children because a lot of parents are looking for a break away from the amusement parks, whereas for grandparents it's a great opportunity for the kids to be entertained um, so they're not having to do as much of the entertaining themselves.
1: Yeah, grandma and grandpa take the kids to the water slide and then just stay there for a couple of hours and while mom and dad uh, have some well-deserved uh, time to themselves. What is a good sweet spot, though, for the age of children, uh, for the grandparents to uh, you know feel comfortable taking them abroad and also so the kids actually get something out of it as well and remember what they did?
0: Yeah, I think that's a good thing to consider. With some kids who are very well-traveled, It can be an earlier age, but I think right around age 10 and 12, the kids are getting more independent and depending on the relationship with their grandkids, it becomes a great age to really start exploring those trips without mom and dad. And I also feel that, you know, especially with college age students, not necessarily having the schedule and time to visit with their grandparents, it's really, you know, makes for a great graduation present for high school students going on to college as well as college students. Um, prior to entering uh, the workforce, that they spend a trip with their grandparents. And for the older kids, they, they like the vacations sometimes that are built around a city. So in the U.S., I would recommend a trip to New York or Boston or maybe as far south as Charleston. And again, it also opens the opportunity to think uh, about international travel when the children are older.
1: Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Angie Rice, co founder of Boutique Travel Advisors, based in Scottsdale, the website travelbta.com. Still ahead in Technology Thursday, Apple and Facebook scoring big in the first quarter of the year. This is
4: Chicago's all news station. News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM noon business hour continues.
1: Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart and Francisco Codo. These are the top stories on news radio. WBBM, the city of Chicago, easing more restrictions as COVID 19 numbers improve. The updated guidance is music to the ears of the city's restaurant industry. In Technology Thursday, Apple and Facebook flying high. We'll dig into their latest quarterly reports. WBBM business, the markets are mixed. The Dow is up 113 points. The NASDAQ is down 19. The SP 500. Up 13, AccuWeather says clouds and breaks of sunshine. Breezy and milder this afternoon. Could see a shower or a thunderstorm in spots. A high today of 66, cooler at the lake. 58 degrees at O'Hare under partly sunny skies. 54 at Midway. 50 at the lakefront. 58 in Glenview at 1231. And topping our news at the half hour, Mayor Lightfoot says improved coronavirus numbers will allow large gatherings in Chicago, especially when attendees have been vaccinated against COVID-19.
5: Fully vaccinated guests won't count towards capacity at weddings and other private events for the very first time. Giving event venues the opportunity to safely expand capacity while encouraging and incentivizing people to get
6: vaccinated.
1: In addition, Bulls and Blackhawks fans will be able to attend games at the United Center at 25% capacity. Mayor Bill de Blasio expects to fully reopen New York City over the summer. He says stores, offices, and theaters can operate at full strength, citing improved COVID-19 conditions. We are ready to bring New York City back fully on July 1st. All systems go because you've earned it. We're going to keep working hard every day to make this city safer and safer. It's unclear whether the mayor has the power to make that call. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo has maintained throughout the pandemic that those decisions are his alone. A reminder, radio.com is now Odyssey. Download the Odyssey app, A U D A C U I, and listen to WBBM and all the news, sports, music, and podcasts that move you. The Noon Business Hour continues, presented by Republic Bank of Chicago. Markets are mixed today. We're joined by Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director, Clearstead Advisors, based in New York. Jim, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, Despite those blowout numbers from uh, Facebook and Apple, which we'll discuss in our next segment, the uh, Nasdaq is uh, below the center line today. So, what's uh, dragging that market down?
6: Yeah, the good, the good news is that earnings have, by and large, been better than expected. The economy is reopening; demand is good, uh, and and the, the the Fang company earnings are uh, uh, have surpassed expectations. Uh, the bad news is some of it has been already been priced into these stocks. Uh, since you've had such a good run in the market from the, uh, uh, the low uh, uh, 13 months ago, and that uh, uh, investors are saying, okay, uh, uh, we expected this, so we're going to keep the stocks where they are, not take them uh, further up. And specifically in the case of Apple, it was so good uh, in terms of the numbers that people are worried that they pull forward demand from the rest of this year. So there are a lot of... St- there are a lot of company-specific issues, but I'd say that the big picture is the economy is good, earnings are good, and the stock price reactions have been very tepid.
1: And uh, a lot to like about that uh, GDP report that came out this morning, that uh, if you set aside the, uh, the pandemic bounce-back third quarter of 2020, uh, it's the best number since uh, 2003 or before that, the beginning of 1984.
6: Yeah, and it's only going to get better uh, because we still have a lot of pent-up demand. We still have more people to get uh, employed. We have more restaurants and hotels and cruise ships to open. So uh, this year is going to be uh, an excellent year in the economy, albeit with higher inflation and some uh, 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 cost increases uh, that have got some investors worried. And then uh, uh, it's going to be gangbusters next year. Uh, the fiscal stimulus of this year will have worn off, and you're going to have some tax increases. So next year we could decelerate uh, somewhat from this year, but right now the runway looks good.
1: And when it comes to uh, achieving uh, uh, takeoff speed and also a cruising altitude, uh, when this is all said and done, I mean, when we get to the end of 2021, are we going to be at where we should have been without a pandemic, or will we have exceeded uh, the trajectory that was uh, in in play at the beginning of 2020?
6: Yeah, it's a work in progress. I would say that uh, we will either be at it or exceed it modestly, and then we'll be comfortably ahead of it. Uh, uh... by the end of next year so we are making real progress companies have adapted consumers have adapted the consumer savings rate is very high in the numbers this morning so the consumer has has uh, uh, purchasing power and corporations have really cut costs and are lean and mean so both the corporate and consumer sector are in good shape so that i think the numbers that we look at uh... for the foreseeable future are good of course in the back of our minds we have to worry about when the Fed's going to start to take um, uh, the punch ball away. But uh, Powell made it clear uh, yesterday in his testimony in his press conference that it's not a this
1: year event. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Jim Awad, Senior Managing Director at Clearstead Advisors based in New York. Coming up next in Technology Thursday, Facebook and Apple reporting blowout quarters.
4: Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
1: It's Technology Thursday, Apple and Facebook. Are on a roll. Joining us now on the McGrath-Lexus business line is Jeff Kilberg, chief investment officer, Sanctuary Wealth, based in Chicago. Jeff, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, Facebook and Apple, uh, the, the word blowout uh, being bandied about as they uh, talk about uh, their uh, first quarter uh, earnings reports. Apple sales up 54%. Uh, Facebook revenue up 48%, driven by higher priced ads. Uh, is the sky the limit for both companies, or- or will they come down a little bit as the year goes on?
2: Well, Rob, it's interesting to see such a strong tech earnings. And this week we're seeing a lot of different tech earnings. But Facebook still up about 6.5% of the day. Apple, a little bit of mixed here. We just saw it actually go negative after the stellar blowout earnings you talked about when you see that type of year-over-year growth over 54 percent year-over-year growth they're hitting all cylinders on apple and certainly that's in the wake of covid 19 where we're seeing more of a hybrid work from anywhere people are really looking to upgrade their devices if it's an iphone if it's a mac or it's an ipad but i think the wild card right here in the in the stock ticker being unchanged for the day is that is this sustainable are we gonna be able to see them do this quarter after quarter? I think the answer is yes, Rob. We are seeing Apple, they really figured out the Asia. The Asia and China was the wild card. And now they are actually selling iPhones and iPads over there. But Facebook, Facebook's still really up on the day, and this is really fascinating to see how well they're doing. I've been a big fan of Facebook on the IPO you know, take off its $326 that debuted at $39. So it's been heck of a ride in Facebook. It's certainly been volatile, but they're doing everything right. And I think all these tech stocks, this is really the global reopening proxy. If we see these tech giants continue to report so well, we're looking for Amazon, another $100 billion potentially. We're going to find out after the close. But we see these tech giants continue to provide leadership. I think that bodes really well for all of the stock market. And we have an opportunity to take another leg higher.
1: Now the, the tech sector was the absolute uh, winner of 2020 as uh, everybody kind of adapted to uh, remote recreation, remote working environment, a socially distanced environment. But how are some of these tech companies going to do, uh, how are they going to compete with this brand new killer app called Outside as uh, people get vaccinated and go back <laughs> to some of their, the activities they used to enjoy in 2019?
2: You bring up a great point, Rob. And certainly as we uh, stop using our thumb to press on our iPhones to order from Amazon, we will revert to going on being social and seeing people and playing Frisbee, throwing the football, absolutely. But I think what's happened here is how we all work. I look at you know myself and my team. You know We reconsider on how we are working, and a lot of this is technology-infused. So if it's Microsoft, which is down on the day but still had a great quarter, if it's Google, if it's Facebook, if it's Amazon, all these different tech giants are really feeding into it. And if you look at e-commerce in general, for those of you who are not using Amazon or Apple or buying things online, you are now. And I don't think that really changes dramatically as we kind of go back to Normalcy, And certainly here in Chicago, we have not had normalcy for quite some time. So I agree with you, and that's why we believe owning these tech stocks are important moving forward, but own them in an equal-weighted manner. Diminish your exposure. They've had a great rally. It's been a little volatile the last six months. We've talked a lot here on WBBM Radio about how to own these names, but own them in an equal-weighted position or where you're comfortable from a risk suitability because there is going to be more volatility as we see this uneven, this dislocated component between Main Street and Wall Street, as we figured out this fall, that is going to provide some volatility for these tech names.
1: And then very quickly, you know, the acceleration in the tech sector, the the pandemic didn't disrupt the tech sector so much as move everything forward by five years, it sounds like.
2: Well, and that's what a lot of people today specifically look at the Apple when you see it down on the day. People are saying that exact thing, Rob. Did we steal some of the future of the earnings of Apple. I say no. We're seeing Apple considering a $90 billion buyback. What does that mean? They're buying more of their stock. They make $90 billion in one quarter, so why not throw it back in the stock? So all these buybacks will fuel these stocks higher as well.
1: Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Jeff Kilberg, Chief Investment Officer, Sanctuary Wealth, based in Chicago, joins us this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday. And still to come, the Chicago restaurant industry hails a loosening of COVID restrictions.
4: The WBBM Noon Business Hour.
1: The COVID vaccination effort is helping reduce virus numbers and allowing increased capacity at restaurants and other venues in Chicago. That's welcome news for many people, including Frank Ruffalo, managing partner Il Culicino in Chicago. Frank, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Uh, Anytime. How many times have you and the other restaurateurs who have managed to weather the pandemic uh, just turn on Elton John's I'm Still Standing and sing it at the top of your lungs? Because it feels like getting to this point one year in is a major accomplishment.
7: Absolutely. I mean, to to think that it's been a year is kind of shocking. You just kind of keep waking up and just taking, taking the day's news as it comes. So, you know, we're still here. We survived the hard part. So I think the rest of it, as long as you could stay afloat, you'll be all right.
1: When assessing your progress uh, over the course of the past year, obviously the future is very bright. The city is loosening uh, capacity restrictions, and something resembling normal operation is in the cards. But when you look back, do you think back on all the challenges? Do you think back on the restaurants that didn't make it? Or do you just look back on the fact that you were resilient and managed to survive?
7: You know what? We're happy to so be here. There, there have been multiple hurdles that people have had to jump. Um, You know, at this location, we're lucky where we kind of had a a, a backup plan with our retractable roof. But I really do feel bad for, you know, the owner operators out there that were trying to struggle to put something together on a patio and and, and make a building that wasn't a building that still, you know, complied with with all the restrictions. So, you know, it's really been challenging and and I'm glad to see some of these changes, Um, you know, seeing that they're not going to count vaccinated people towards private events it kind of reminds me back of the days when you had a smoking and non-smoking section now you're going to have a vaccinated and non-vaccinated section so there's still a couple um hurdles we're going to have to go through just to make sure you comply but you know it's nice to see that there is a light at the end of this tunnel
1: what are some of the pandemic uh innovations that you had to put together what are some of those business practices that uh, may survive beyond the pandemic
7: restrictions Uh, Well, obviously, I think carry-out is still going to be a large part of everyone's business. That's something that's not going to go away. Um, And and now, with this retractable roof, we had it open on days when it never would have been open before. I think people are going to be more comfortable if there's going to be a little bit of a breeze and they want some airflow moving. Um, and then you're going to have normal people that just want to go and, and, and they're ready to be outside. They're ready to gather with people. Um, so, you know, keeping the spacing, keeping the time limits, I think that's definitely going to stick around because this industry's taken such a, a beating that we're going to need to turn those tables over when this pent-up demand just, you know, rises. So there's going to be a lot of changes that are going to stick around, but ultimately, you know, we still want to serve. We want you to have a good time. Enjoy the time with your your friends and family and your guests.
1: Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. Frank Ruffalo, Managing Partner, Il Culicino in Chicago. If you missed any part of today's Noon Business Hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app.
2: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours